Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. Hey, it is great to be with you guys today. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Elm City. It's so good to see your smiling faces and uh, just to be with you. I, I love um, gathering together with the body of Christ. I think there's things that happen when we gather together like this that are unique and special and uh, cannot be um, replicated or duplicated in any other community that exists out there today. So I love the church. I love what God's doing. And, um, and I just want to share a little bit about what God has put on my heart today. I just uh, want to be honest with you. You know, the past uh, two weeks have been incredibly hard. Um, they've been really uh, difficult um, as we are still processing uh, the sudden loss of our, of our dear friend and brother, Josh Druk. Um, I told our life group uh, we met this past week, and I, I told them that I feel like I've been doing three things a lot lately. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of crying. I've been doing a lot of praying, and I've been doing a lot of thinking. And uh, over the course of the past few weeks, um, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the things that matter most in life. Like just the things that are the most important things. And, and one of the questions that's been on my heart uh, for the past few weeks now is, is, is this question. And I want to ask you this today as we kick off this, um, this, this message. Uh, the question is this, do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? You know, when I, when I was a kid, I remember that I used to start out my nightly prayer routine, and it always started out something like this. God, I'm sorry for fill in the blank. <laughs> See, my view of God, even at, a, at an early age, was that somehow... He was upset with me for where I had fallen short, maybe that day or that week, and that I would risk spending an eternity away from him. Um, any other church kids in here grew up in the left behind era? I'm starting up a, a counseling uh, group uh, that I'd love to invite you into. Um, uh, you know, if, 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 but I just remember, you know, I always needed to somehow seek God's approval and to, and to get right with him and to make sure I was okay. And, and I spent an incredible amount of time and effort making sure that I was being good enough for him to really love me. I was living in this pattern of perpetual moralism and, and deeds, always asking the question, am I doing enough to please you, God? Are you happy with me? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I praying enough? Am I going to church enough? And my family was there every time the door were open. That's the type of family we were. But you know, I, I, even with all that, I was never, I was never quite sure. I, I just did not have the confidence that I was okay, which is probably why I ended up getting saved like 13 times as a kid. <laughs> Summer camps and church dramas and you name it. It wasn't until college that, that something actually really clicked with me. 
uh, I finally began to understand grace. And it was this kind of peeling back layers of the onion. You know, there's a lot of things I had to unlearn from growing up. And uh, I don't want you to hear that everything growing up was like a misinformation or, you know, there wasn't a foundation. I'm really thankful for godly Christian parents that gave me a foundation of faith. But there were some things I had to unlearn. There were some things that I had to relearn, and uh, in college, that was the time where that began to happen. And in time, I got this better framework uh, for understanding it, and I realized that the feeling of peace actually came from a position of peace. Um, I realized that peace with God was not this subjective uh, feeling so much that changed based on my circumstances or on my mood, but it was an objective fact that was grounded in what Jesus had done for me. And that was a game changer. A game changer. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, You know, we're not in a sermon series right now. Uh, Albie gave me a completely blank slate to talk about whatever I want, which could be dangerous. But I'm convinced, and I, and I have been, um, as I've been thinking about this, that one of the most important things that I can talk to you about today is this idea of having real peace with God, like getting that settled. There are so many people that I meet that are not, that are where I was when I was a kid, always wondering, always questioning, am I okay with the Lord? I don't want you to feel that way anymore, because when it, when it, When it changed for me, it changed everything with my understanding of God and my relationship with him. So I want you, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 2 primarily today. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing. And Romans is, is just, man, I mean, we could do a sermon series for five years on the book of Romans and never scratch the surface. But Paul has a lot to say uh, as one of the primary authors of the New Testament. And, uh, you know, so we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Powerful, a powerful spot in Paul's exposition. A foundational premise that we have to understand, and not only do we have to understand, we have to embrace it, if we truly want to understand the good news of the gospel is the reality that we are not born into the world at peace with God. We are not born into the world at peace with God. Human beings in our natural state are what scripture describes as enemies of God. Other passages point to the idea that we are children of wrath before we come under the lordship of Jesus. Phrase, uh, another phrase, sons of perdition. Uh, we are not in right standing with the Lord coming into this world. Now, um, not a super popular idea in our current culture and day and age. I would actually encourage you probably to not start with this idea if you're looking to uh, you know, share the love of Jesus with somebody. Uh, you, did you know you're an enemy of the Lord? <laughs> 
somehow, um, you know, that it, it will, you'll get there, okay? But um, I would encourage you to maybe come at another angle. Uh, but this reality is true. We have to understand it. We have to, we have to see why it matters. Uh, listen to what Paul says a little later in Romans 8. Uh, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh, now catch this, is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So who who are those who are in the flesh? Those people who are not in Christ yet, right? So that's the standing that we have before Jesus changes something inside of us. You and I are born into a world where our disposition is to please ourselves and to be our own gods. And this rebellious state or nature, it sets us at odds with God. And see, humans... We were originally created to live in peace with God, to live in harmony with our creator. But sin has destroyed that peace, and it still destroys that peace. Many still try to attain versions of peace without God. Uh, Sam Huggard, uh, our speaker last week, and our friend, he, he kind of hinted about you know, some of those things, the, the, the other gospels, the other good newses that exist out there. We had a conversation about that this week in our life group, just talking about like what are the other types of news, the good news that the world around us uh, shares with one another and believes. And so... You know, we, we, can attri- we can try and attain versions of peace without God. Uh, you've probably heard this phrase before that oftentimes in our cr- current culture today, we're looking for a kingdom without the king. We want the benefits of what Jesus offers us without Jesus. But you can't experience true and lasting peace until you first establish peace with God. Because it's peace with God, peace with God, that brings the peace of God. That's, and that trickle-down effect affects everything in our life. And at the root of every other kind of peace is having this peace with God. And the greatest news the world will ever hear is that this peace that I'm talking about is possible. It's so good. It's, it's the best news that we have. It's the best news that we could ever share is that peace with God is possible. But what is the grounds for this peace? Why are we able to say that we have or can have peace with God? Well, when you have the grounds for something, it means that you could substantiate a claim. What if I told you that I just started playing pickup basketball on Monday nights at Camp Spofford And I have decided after a few games that later on this winter, I am going to play for the Boston Celtics. (laughs) Some of you are like, why would you want to play for that team? Oh, um, you might ask me, uh, on what grounds, Justin, in what universe do you think, because you played a few pickup games at camp on Monday nights, that you're going to play for the NBA? We have to substantiate our claims. How about when Kanye West said he was going to run for president? 
<laughs> Did anybody catch that? <laughs> what uh, claim substantiation do you have for that, buddy? Um, I don't think so. Anyway, simply believing or feeling like a thing should be true does not make it true. Simply believing that we have peace with God does not make it true. This is a this is kind of counterculture language here because we're we're used to living in a world today where we can just think things into existence. Like if I just think about this thing positively that somehow it will come to pass. This flies in the face of any of that and more. But the Christian, the Christ follower, the one that places their hope and their trust in Jesus has rational and reasonable grounds for peace, true peace, because its foundation is the gospel. That is the the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Those are the grounds for the claims of peace that we have. It doesn't reside in us. It comes from outside of us and is offered to us. Let's go back to verse one of our text today. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, God has made a way for us to have peace and it's not based on our idea, our performance. As I said, I tried for years to make God happy with me. It's not based on our good deeds. It's, you can't just be a little bit more Christian and get more of God's love. God loves you as much as he will right now as he ever will in all of eternity. That's never changing. The goalpost never gets moved on that. The grounds of our assurance for peace with God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing else, period. But we get this twisted. It's so easy. It's so easy to think that we add a little bit in there. Yeah, well, I know Jesus, he, you know, he went to a cross, he died on a cross, he, he carried the weight of my shame and my guilt, and he took care of that. He was, you know, scripture talks about it, a, a substitutionary atonement was made in my place. But, you know, I, I gotta do something. And, and I tell you, it is, it is that, at that moment where we start to conflate what Jesus has done with what we should do. Well, we don't live out of our position with Christ at that point. We live out of a procedure. We, we live out of wanting to get something or adding something to the gospel. But we, but we can't. It's impossible. God has made a way for us to have peace and it's not based on our idea. It's not based on our deeds. You know, um, Danielle and I, uh, we started dating uh, when we were 16 years old. Yeah. Nothing's changed. (laughs) Nothing. Um, you know, for two years of our relationship, we, have a, we had a long-distance relationship, so I was driving a lot. Um, uh, Danielle lived on the seacoast. 
of New Hampshire, and I lived on the Vermont border side of New Hampshire. And so I would, we would drive, I would drive primarily long distances, I mean, two hours one way. I did that for, you know, two years until we moved to college together in Pennsylvania. So this four-hour round trip on the weekend, that was a pretty regular thing for me. Like, I would work my, uh, my grocery stocking clerk job at Shaw's, and then I would take off right from there and from Lebanon area, and I would get on the highway and, and drive down to, uh, to see her. And uh, I remember that there was this point in our um, relationship where uh, two things became clear, whereas before they, they were maybe not so clear, and, that, and they were these. Number one, that she really does love me. Like there's this moment of security that, okay, they, they really do love me. And number two, that, that she's not going to leave me. And, uh, but that took a while, right? That, that establishing some grounds of, of relationship, it, it takes a while. There's some due process there. And there are a lot of situations in life where we wish that we might have more clarity and we wish that we might have it sooner, and, you know, as a pastor, I get to talk with a, with a lot of people who just, you know, their lives, they seem to be sort of in limbo at times or on any given number of things. It could be a job situation, relationships, school, loss. But the one thing that you do have all the time as a follower of Jesus is the security of the proclamation of peace with God. You always have that. No matter what you're going through, you always, as a follower of Jesus, have the security of the peace with God. Back to verse one, it says here, we have peace with God. Not we're trying to get it, we're trying to get more of it. We have peace with God. It's a, it's a proclamation statement of what you have. God has declared in scripture what has taken place due to the gospel that we, Christians, followers of Jesus, have both in present and future reality, peace with God, a right relationship with him once again. And this peace with God, it's the type of peace that endures through the trials of this life. This peace with God endures even when we don't feel peace in our hearts. There's so many of you that probably walked in here today that do not feel the peace of God. And I'm here to tell you that even though you might not feel the, the feelings of peace with God in your life, if you're following Jesus today, if he is your Lord and Savior, your standing with him is peace with God. That's a really important thing to get. Let the reality of our peace with God lead you to the feelings of peace with God in your heart, which will change, they will ebb, and they will flow. Well, what is the path to peace? Well, peace with God is only possible through Jesus Christ because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. Back to verse 1. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's a lot of things in life that have many ways. They have many answers. There are other things where only one way and one answer is possible. Things like how many people are in this room right now? There's only one answer for that. 
What is two plus two? I know they're trying to change that, but it's still four. <laughs> what day were you born? It's a done deal. Jesus claimed to be the only path to God. I believe this so much I got it tattooed on my body. Um, in, in college, when I was going through that moment of like, okay, this is my declaration of truth. This is my confession. That Jesus is who he says he is. And the only way that I'm going to be resolved in this feeling okay with him is to know that he did something that I can't. And now, because of what he's done, I can have peace with God. And that's a done deal. That's a settled thing. Man, I can't tell you. There, there were many like, you know, iterations of this and, and understandings and lots of tears and many, many moments of just fragility. And, you know, I remember being just laid out at like our church back in Pennsylvania that was used mightily, I think, to help me understand this, this journey of grace and just to understand like, wow, like I've really, really, really tried hard for a long time to get what only Jesus could give me. And I was just laid out, like just decimated, you know, to know that. Because what a liberating feeling to realize there's absolutely nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. What are the results of peace with God? What does this get you? Well, I kind of hinted at a few of them, but one of them, at least two that I can think of that are, that are really big are these. Number one, peace with God means our consciences are clear. Such good news. Such a weight that can be lifted off of our shoulders when we realize this, that peace with God means that our consciences are clear. The weight of guilt and the shame of sin has been carried and placed on Jesus at the cross. We are no longer guilty. The theological term here is, is a word called justification. It's a legal term that's used to show our grounds for peace. We no longer are guilty before a holy God because of what Jesus has done. It's like I'm standing here, and, and if God is over here, it's like Jesus is standing in the middle. And as I look to God and God looks to me, it's like we, we both were staring right through Jesus. That's exactly what it looks like to be made right with him. Listen to what... Uh, what is said in Colossians chapter one. Uh, it says, for in him, that is Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace and peace with God has been given to us because of an act that Jesus did on a cross. Because of blood that he shed on a cross. See, for, for a true Christian, your hope today is secure in the knowledge that Jesus has done all that was necessary, everything, every step that was, it was made to make you right with God, to make you right with God. So peace with God means that our consciences are now clear. We stand before a holy God and he looks at Jesus. And he looks at what Jesus has done, and that's what gets attributed to us. It's beautiful. 
The second thing that um, peace with God gives is that peace with God allows a Christian to live without fear of death. You know, over the past few weeks, um, the reality of physical death uh, has stared our community right in the face. And, you know, I've shared this with people, but I've been thinking about this concept more than I ever have in my life. This idea that physical death doesn't have the final word because Jesus had a physical death on a cross. And because of that, because of that, death does not have the final word. That is such good news today. Such good news. I want to read this. Um, Paul says this. Paul does a lot of talking. You're going to pick, pick that up here. He, he shares a lot about these concepts, but... First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 says this, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death does not have the final word. And so, the only thing that I can encourage you today in is to get this peace because it's really good news to those who carry it. Peace with God. It's, it's, it's one of the most important things that you could ever have. If not the most important thing you could have. And so my question still stands. Do you have peace with God today? Do you know? Do you know him? Do you want to? And if you don't, here's how you might get it. First, call upon the name of Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Maybe in a time of affliction or trouble, Maybe not. Maybe when things are going really well. And, and ask him to meet you. The second thing you might consider doing is repenting or turning away from yourself and from your sin. You know what I said earlier is that we struggle, we come into this world and we don't, we're not in right standing with the Lord, so automatically our, our whole life being is, is sort of centered around what makes us happy and what makes us feel good and what what's the best for us and you know functionally what that means is that we are our own savior we need to repent from that we need to repent and we need to turn away from ourselves and we need to turn towards Jesus number 3 we should believe that Jesus is our savior that, that everything else that we place our trust in functionally wanes when it comes to what Jesus and his might and his power are able to do in our life. And then finally, and this is, this is really important to get with this. Um, I had some conversation about this this past week as well. Not only do we believe that Jesus is Savior, 
but we have to believe and functionally put our trust in him as Lord. A lot of us love the idea of Jesus as Savior. We, we even have all of our stories, our best stories and movies and just like growing up, like if you, if you grew up watching Disney, uh, you know, you, you have been programmed to understand storylines in a certain way. And we all, there's always a hero, you know, there's always, there's always a villain and there's always, you know, the good guy wins in the end. And, um, you know, we love Jesus as savior. We love that picture of him that he saves us. You know, maybe we've even had a moment or moments like I did, maybe 13 of them, where I either checked a box, walked an aisle, raised a hand. You know, I did that thing over and over because I just wanted to be sure that Jesus was my savior, that he saved me. But I think the real, the real, I don't want to separate the two because they're equally important, but I want to say that what, one of the things that we lose a lot of times is that in Jesus as Savior, the idea that Jesus is our Savior, um, we forget that he also wants to be our Lord, which is way more than a moment in time. And it, it's a whole lifestyle. It's a whole way of being. So that we have to surrender our whole life to Jesus as Lord. That's, that's where the tricky stuff comes in right? The, the, the day-to-day, figuring out how to follow Jesus as more than just Savior, but following him as Lord of our life. These are, the, these are the ways that we have been given to us in Scripture that shows us that we can have peace with God today. It's available. It's on offer. And I want to encourage you to respond to that. If you've never, if you've never fully had that, what I'm talking about, peace with God, if you still think that there's something you can add to the good news of the gospel, man, you, just like I do, need to repent of that and realize there's nothing you can do. And it's so liberating to know that. And now I get to live out of the right standing that I have with the Lord. So I'm going to invite our team to come up and they're going to lead us in song, and, and, and we, this is a moment uh, to be able to respond to the Lord. And so I just want, um, if, if, you, if anything I said today resonated with you, um, if you want to have the peace that is on offer by the Lord, I would love to, uh, to pray with you today. Um, and we will have a team of people that will be available to pray after our service right down here at the front. And I want to encourage you, like, if this is not settled for you, settle this today. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.